Everyone knows about those uh, crazy Israeli brothers that work together and build a few businesses. When you look at that, you think to yourself, shit, I'm onto something. There's something really good in this uh, thing called internet. There's a massive opportunity. How do we scale this? How do we make it bigger? I feel like a retired soccer player watching the best game ever from the sidelines. It's a very exciting time, Nathan, both to launch a business and to invest in a business. And 2021 is going to create some amazing new disruptors. You can just feel it. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and e-commerce consultant at 12 High. Now, I don't normally get nervous before recording an episode, but I kind of did today with today's interview. And it's not because of who he is, because he's incredibly warm and very generous with his time, but because he has so much knowledge and so many lessons that I felt this huge pressure to get the most out of them for you guys within 45 minutes. And I think we got there. Joining me today is Gabby Leibovich, founder of Catch of the Day, now simply known as Catch, which was acquired by Wes Farmers in 2019 for a cool $230 million. Gabby and his brother Hezzy also founded Eat Now, which was acquired by Menulog earlier. They've also created Scoopon, Mumgo, and Grocery Run. Now, Gabby was in online retail before you could spin up a website overnight, before you could drop ship without even touching product, and before you could talk to customers daily through social channels. He had to truly figure out how to take the traditional retail model online in Australia, and I think he's paved the way for what many of us do every day today. But what I love most about Gabby, and this was even at the height of Catcher's success, he always made sure he shared his lessons openly, and as you'll hear today, without any bullshit. You'd often find Gabby at retail conferences and talk shop over a drink like he has all the time in the world. I always appreciated that, so I was excited when he said he'd come on to Add to Cart and share it with you guys as well. Of course, Forever the Retailer, Gabby and his brother Hezzy have written a book called Catch of the Decade, and it'll go on sale November 1. It's filled with over 200 real-life lessons, and it's a must-read, I think, for anyone in retail or business for that matter. And in great news for Add to Cart listeners, we have 20 signed signed copies of Catch of the Decade to give away. So stay tuned until the end of the episode, and we'll tell you how to enter. So let's get into it. Thanks to our partners Shopify Plus and Signet, here is our very special episode with Catch founder, Gabby Leibovich. Gabby Leibovich, welcome to Add to Cart. Thank you, Nathan. Great being here with you. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a great host that catches you mid, mid sip of water. By the way, you were drinking coffee at the same time, so <laughs> we caught each Gabby, other. I'm, I'm going to read you the question that I originally had written out for myself to ask you as the first question, right? So, okay. my question was, we're recording this in November 2020, about six months into COVID. After the sale of Catch, you're effectively sitting on the sidelines while the online gold rush is happening. You're ahead of the game. How do you feel about that? But then last week, I got onto the news and all of a sudden, your name's popping up again as a huge investor in the MySale group. So you didn't sit on your hands and you've caught me by surprise. Look, the two of them are very much connected. You know, if you see behind me, you can see some soccer merchandise. 
I love soccer and I've been telling uh, people that I feel like a retired soccer player uh, watching the best game ever from the sidelines. And, uh, you know, I, I read anything to do with retail just as, just as much as you do. And uh, it is quite hard to watch and read things like 10 years of growth over a 10-week period, uh, silly valuations of companies that are so much smaller than catch that are valued at a billion dollars today. And, uh, yeah, if I had any hair, I would have lost it all by now. But, uh, yeah, so much has happened in the last 12 months. You know, we sold Catch in uh, August 2019. We sold it at what we thought was an amazing price. 500 people reached out to me to congratulate us. We sold it to the best company possible. It was a dream come true. And the next, next thing to do was to write a book and inspire the next generation about it. But, yes, it is true, Nathan, and I cannot hide the fact that Catch Today is worth 10 times more than what we sold it for. And I'm afraid to say that even more than that, uh, not due to the smarts or the moves that West Farmers or anyone have added, simply because of Corona. Can you believe it that over the last nine or 10 weeks in Victoria, Kmart, Bunnings and everyone else is shut and everyone has to go online? It's a gift from God, and uh, I'm really sorry that I'm not, uh, you know, part of that game anymore. In regards to our investment in Ossale that you just mentioned, it's uh, simply uh, an investment and nothing more than that. Uh, we see an opportunity in an undervalued company, no different to my investments in uh, in Uber, in uh, Redbubble, or, uh, or Catapult. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, even though it may not be uh, great consolation for you, what you've done with Catch and the other companies as well, Scoopon, Eat Now, Mumgo, Grocery Run, you actually paved the way for a lot of retailers in Australia to make the most of this opportunity because you pushed them really hard in the lead up when they weren't being pushed, right? Yeah, I'm very happy to hear that. And yes, I think we were digital pioneers, uh, maybe accidental pioneers, uh, accidental entrepreneurs when we launched the business. All we launched was a small business out of a tiny little warehouse in Morabin, hoping to, um, you know, make enough money to pay the bills and send the kids to school. None of us had any aspirations of building the tremendous household names that we did. Why did it happen? I'm guessing there's a million different reasons. Why did it happen to us? I'm still pinching myself and I don't understand it, you know. I'm, I've just turned 50. I started my digital career when I was 36. I wasn't a kid. But someone decided to launch this thing called Internet. And uh, having been a retailer for quite some time, having worked in a store similar to a JB Hi-Fi and Good Guys, we started selling online on, on eBay before anyone else uh, spotted the opportunity. But you must have been ahead of the game a little bit more than that. I know you talk it down a lot, but you, from what I understand, did a Bachelor of Computer Science back in 1994. So it wasn't like you stumbled across technology or, or saw saw it later in life, right? I finished school in 98, so I was at uni from uh, 99 uh, for the next four years. I did computer science at Monash Clayton, but just to remind you, in uh, 98, 99, there was no internet. Uh, there was none of that. It's a bit of uh, programming and nonsense like that. I'm also going to go on record and say that I was the worst student in the class. 
simply because I knew that as soon as I finish uni, I'm going to join my dad's uh, retail operation because the retail bug has really hit me from early age. And I really enjoyed buying, selling. I'm one of those people that enjoy getting catalogs in my mailbox and reading them, no matter if the catalogs is from Coles, Woolworths or Toys R Us. You're a true retailer, right? Yeah. 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 So what was that moment? What was that moment when you went online and you've seen the writing on the wall for a bit? What was that moment where you've started this business just to pay the bills, get the kids through school? Was there a particular moment where you thought, shit, this is going to be big? I think it was a lot slower than, than what most people actually actually think. When we launched Catch in October 2006, uh, we did the maths and we wanted to sell 60 products a day. I remember going to the first few suppliers and telling them about this crazy model of us of launching a new deal and only a single deal every day at midday. And I'm sure that all of them thought to themselves, this guy is crazy. What is he doing? None of us even understand the internet, let alone one deal a day. Why would that succeed? Just to take your audience back to 2006 when we told uh people that we are selling online, the first question that you used to get at the time was, is it safe to put your credit card online? Uh, and when we reached suppliers, and I was the main buyer in the business in the early days, driving in the van in the streets of Melbourne, knocking on doors and telling suppliers that I want to buy some goods from them, the first questions they tackled me with was, what store are you from? We only deal with people that have a bricks and mortar presence. No one even understood that concept of being able to sell without needing to place the goods within four walls. It was a different world, but uh, you know, this was the best period of my life. That period of 2006 to 2009, it's very much David versus Goliath that we much more enjoy than being Goliaths themselves. It's finding solutions to problems that no one even knew existed. It's been a great period this year reminiscing about that and writing about it in the book and going backwards and reading lots of emails, chatting to employees, looking at photos. Uh, you know, I'm a very retro kind of guy and uh, it's been it's been a great, a great period. Absolutely. So tell us about what, about that buying and selling because one of the quotes that I've heard you say before that I absolutely love is you make money when you buy product, not when you sell it, um, which is very retail-centric, right? Can you give us a little bit more insight about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's very retail-centric. It's not my quote. I'm sure I've you know adopted it from, uh, from uh, someone else out there. But yeah, a lot of people ask me the question of, Gabby, why did Catch succeed in the early days and so on, while other retailers did not do as well? And I can answer this question in so many ways, you know, but if I have to pick just one way, then my answer to them is, we are better buyers. What does better buying mean? Buying, it's one of those skills that you cannot learn at university. And I can't, it's, it's very even hard to teach someone how to buy. And in the book, we actually spend about six or seven pages talking about what a buyer is. It's a, it's a great book for, uh, for retailers, which, 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 which is your, uh, you know, uh, direct Absolutely. audience. And um, being a buyer myself and having experienced that, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tremendous period. But buying is, a, is, is very much about building relationships because people like to do business with people that they like. Uh, how do you get people to like you? I mean, what do you need to tell them? What is your message? Catch of the Day in the early days discovered, uh, you know, a, a window or of opportunity or an idea. 
And our window is quite simple. It's going to existing local suppliers. And uh, as you know, all suppliers and all buyers make mistakes. They either buy too little or they buy too much. And our message was, hey, uh, you know, John, what do you have in your warehouse that you need to clear? And every supplier and brand owner has something that they've been sitting on for way too long. They paid way too much for it. Seasonalities have changed. They are running out of space and they need to move that stock. And we were able to purchase those goods at, uh, you know, very good prices. And in returns, we were able to offer uh, great deals to our consumers. We all know that feeling when items turn up damaged. Customers are upset, retailers are upset, the postie won't be able to sleep at night. No one wins. Our partners at Signet helped online stationery and invitation store Paperlust eliminate this issue by introducing a sustainable protective packaging solution that helped eliminate transit damages to zero and create a beautiful unboxing experience. Signet has over 5,500 packaging solutions that help leading e-commerce retailers step up their packaging game and helps posties sleep at night. Visit signet.net.au to find out more. In those days, where were you putting the product? Did you have dedicated warehouses? Look, uh, of course, we had warehouses from day one, but uh, our warehouse in 2004 was my garage in Caulfield. And in 2006, it was a 200-square-meter tiny little uh, warehouse at Roberna Street, Moorabbin. In 2008, it was 2,000 square meters in Springvale. And in 2010, it was 4,000 in Moorabbin. In 2011, it was 16,000 in Brayside. We moved five warehouses in the first five years. Uh, every <laughs> Every time we moved into a warehouse, we thought that it would be our uh, comfortable home for the next uh, three or four years. And a year later, we just kept on growing. The numbers of sales just went through the roof. And, you know, in the early days, it was 30 of this and 60 of that, which moved to 300 of that and 3,000 of something else. Uh, more and more people talked about the catch brand. Uh, we grew very much by word of mouth, by people simply telling their friends about the great deals that they found. And uh, we very much relied on the whole FOMO element, fear of missing out. Quite often, our deals used to sell out within three hours, two hours, one hour, 20 minutes. Sure, it's a missed opportunity. We probably could have sold more, but we sold everything that we had. And uh, nothing beats seeing a great sold out sign on the page when you arrive at 1 p.m., one hour into the sale. A lot of people forget that that's how Catch started out, wasn't it? It was one big sale per day. It wasn't kind of a, a marketplace where you can get whatever you want. Absolutely. And I didn't even realize how long that went to. And while I was writing the book, I went to look at old pages. And I found out that as late as 2012, we were selling one deal a day. So that model kept on going for close to close to six years. We would have continued with that model, but there was one problem. We were so large and our database was growing, uh, you know, really fast. We were unable to find local Australian supplies that would give us the amount of volumes required to uh, satisfy the hunger of our audience. You were becoming the Goliath. Absolutely. So we decided to go sideways and that meant offering more and more products. And that continued until 2017. And only in 2017, we launched the marketplace. We can talk about that later on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I understand that you didn't do all this yourself. Um, you, this is a family business. You're in it with your brother, Hezzy. Tell us about your relationship there and how you guys work together. 
Absolutely. Everyone knows about those uh, crazy Israeli brothers that work together and build a few businesses. Uh, my brother is Hezi. I just turned 50. My brother is 44. He's uh, six years younger. I mean, in the book, we go as far as talking about our childhood in detail in order to uh, explain to the reader why we've become who we've become and how our childhood and our upbringing and the conversations that we had uh, at the dinner table with an entrepreneurial uh, retail a father that uh, turned us into who we are. Our first employee, his name was uh, Vijay Bala. He was a, a tech guy. And after 10 years of working with us, Vijay said the following very smart line that I really agree with. And Vijay said, this business would not have succeeded with two Gabbies or with two Hezis. It really needed one of each. Myself and my brother are extremely uh, different in the way that we view the world. Uh, we have different sets of skills and, 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 and various things that we love to do or hate doing. For example, my brother has never done a podcast, will never do a podcast. My brother hasn't even mentioned on LinkedIn that we have a book. And I scream as loud as I can to the whole world to let them know about the book and so on. But my brother is a lot more technical than me. My brother is a better negotiator than me. So we all let each other lead where is required. If we're going into a negotiation game, I let my brother talk and I sit on the sidelines because I just know that he will get a better deal for uh, for both of us. So uh, <laughs> I think that it worked. Uh, it worked really well for us. But another thing that we've discovered over the years is that we have done so much. For example, in April 2010, we spotted uh, this amazing company in the USA called Groupon. And we said, wow, this is really interesting. It's very similar to Catch. Catch sells product. Groupon sells services. I love retail a little bit more than my brother loves retail, but he loves the early days of building a tech business. So the next day, my brother left the office of Catch and started building a scoop on, uh, building the team, building the tech, and everything else that's uh, that's required. We could never have built Catch and Scoop on in parallel had we had only one founder. We trust each other fully, 100%. We never argue about money. But on the flip side, we are both super entrepreneurial, uh, very driven, very optimistic, and we don't cry about spilt milk. Characteristics that uh, you know, entrepreneurs uh, do need. Uh, and if we both believe in something, we go in it uh, full force. And I suppose the proof is in the pudding. We managed to create some amazing stuff uh, together. And uh, I think that that's not the end of it. We'll be building some stuff together in the future again. There must be something you don't see eye to eye on. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. As soon as you said that, the first thing that comes to my mind is marketing. You're a marketing guy. We have been arguing forever and we will be arguing forever about where to spend our marketing dollars. My brother only wants to spend it uh, below the line and give it all to Google, Facebook and anything that can be fully measured. I sit on the other side of the spectrum whatsoever and I understand the power of Google and Facebook, but I also understand that brands needs to be built above the line on newspapers, podcasts, radios, interviews, billboards in the street, etc. My brother refused to agree with me on that and will fight like dogs and cats about it. But you know what? It is what it is. And it, all those arguments, uh, Nathan, they come from passion. I 
a true believer in why my way of thinking and he's a true believer in his way of thinking. And uh, in the book, we mentioned when in that when we get to a point where we couldn't agree, we just kept on arguing. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose because your siblings, you've grown up together, you know when you're pushing it too far and, and when to stop and how to get to a resolution quicker than if you were coming together as separate partners, right? We, we absolutely do. And because we've been together for such a long time, you know, I mean, the other day we met with an entrepreneur, we sat on a park bench and uh, we listened to a two-hour pitch and uh, I just know that whatever I'm thinking, my brother that sits next to me is thinking exactly the same thing. He sees the same opportunities that I do, and he sees the same weaknesses in the proposal that I do. And we don't even have to talk to each other anymore. It just goes by wavelengths. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's a good position to be in. I don't think it would be as much fun building a business on your own because the whole entrepreneurial journey is already uh, very isolating. And it's great to be able to share it with uh, someone in uh, such an intimate way. And by the way, Nathan, this is the most that I ever talked about the relationship between myself and my brother. So that's a bit of a scoop. I'll take that as a scoop. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about the, the growing up of Catch. And I know there's so much in it and you go into detail in the book about it. But are there one or two standout moments where you went, gee whiz, we are moving from being David to being the Goliath of retail? Look, as you asked the question, I've had this, uh, I've got about 20 of them running through my head right now. I'll tell you about a couple of them. Uh, the first time that we were featured on TV, I think the business was about one and a half years old. Within one and a half, we managed, one and a half years, we managed to build a database of about 50,000 people. And we were featured on uh, Current Affair, Channel 7, for the first time, 6.30 p.m. Within uh, 24 hours, uh, 50,000 new registrations have hit our site. And we grew overnight from 50,000 followers, which is tiny today, to uh, to 100,000. But what it means, the next day, 100,000 Australians were talking about catch, telling their friends about catch, and the snowball just became uh, a lot bigger. And how did you get onto a current affair? Was that a deliberate strategy or did it happen organically? I don't remember that specific case, but I'm guessing it was a deliberate strategy. What's a deliberate strategy is me sitting at home at midnight and contacting reporters, telling them about a whole new site that we are running. It's called Catch of the Day, giving them some numbers. Yesterday, we sold X amount of this and Y amount of that. And uh, look, reporters are quite lazy these days. They're always looking for stories. And uh, we have used the same method throughout the years. When we became a larger company around 2012, 2013, we've already hired a, you know, a professional PR company that was doing that job for us. But uh, message to small startups out there, get as much free media as you can. Mm. And, we actually, and we actually talk about that in the book and we actually talk about how to approach reporters and uh, you know, the problem as well as the opportunity. I've got to tell you yeah. one more story, Nathan. That's uh, that's in my head, and it's the story, uh, again, back in 2008, 2009 sometime, the deal of the day was uh, Samsung Television. The price of the TV was about uh, $3,000, and uh, within one hour, we ended up selling everything that we had in stock, uh, which totaled about $1.5 million of Samsung TVs. Just take us back about a decade or so. Uh, we're talking a tiny business, 200 square meters, 10 employees, 
a bunch of kids sitting there playing with computers and we're looking at the sales report in the first hour and one and a half million dollars worth of goods uh, were sold by us. And, uh, you know, when you look at that, you think to yourself, shit, I'm onto something. There's something really good in this, uh, in this uh, thing called internet. There's a massive opportunity. How do we scale this? How do we make it bigger? Yep. And you, ta- you call them the golden years um, where you really enjoyed growing the company. Take us forward to that moment where you first get the hint of, I think I'm done here. I think I'm ready to sell. <laughs> it's uh, go- going back to the thing between me and my brother. My brother was ready to sell way more than me, way earlier than me. And, uh, you know, I kept him going. I kept him going. I'm a bit more optimistic and, you know, probably, you know, more of a risk taker. And anyway, we pushed it as far as we thought we could until 2019. Uh, Nathan, I'll be very honest and truthful with you today is uh, we fucked up. We sold the business one year too early and uh, everyone knows that. Uh, not because we're stupid or no one had the vision to see Corona coming. When we sold the business at the end of uh, 2019, 500 people reached out to me to congratulate us about the sale, the price, whoever bought it, and uh, and so on. And we've done tremendously well. It's it's a lot of money in, in anyone's book. And the truth is we never have to work again, uh, etc. cetera, and, 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 and we're quite young. But, uh, you know, knowing that this business is worth 10 times more today, not because West Farmers have done anything specific, simply because it's uh, Corona came in and completely uh, changed the game going forward. Yeah, I, I, I really miss uh, the team. I really miss working in a group. I really miss the challenging. And um, I think we're going to have to start a new business, Nathan, because we're a little bit bored right now. And I've been walking around Caulfield Park for way too long. <laughs> Is there any parts of retail that you're looking at at the moment and you're like, there's something really interesting or there's something missing here that I think I can uh, really make an impact in without giving away any future ideas, obviously. Look, I mean, I, I don't think that I'm smarter than anyone else right now. We're all seeing what's going on. My 11-year-old uh, daughter received uh, the LCD version of the Alexa the other day. And you can just see how it's going to change the world and it's changing the world already. Social media and social commerce is obviously an area that everyone is looking at right now. But I think the answer is, Nathan, this is probably in an area that hasn't even been <laughs> invented yet. But the, the world is changing so quickly. And just like my kids don't use Facebook, and to me, Facebook is so important, but they're on TikTok and Snapchat and, and, and something completely else elsewhere. I think there's more stuff coming and we don't even know what it is. <laughs> it feels like there's something huge brewing around uh, live streaming and integrating uh, entertainment and shopping together. It's almost like a flashback. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Live streaming is an, is, a, is another huge area of growth, um, you know, in, in, in Asia. Yeah, we're watching it all. We read a lot of articles. But uh, if, you look at, uh, if you look at our career, Nathan, you'll see that uh, you don't need to have an original idea in order to... Uh, to succeed, we always found that it's uh, better to uh, to copy an idea and excel in it rather than be original and build some silly, mediocre business. So, and I don't believe that there's any fresh or original ideas anymore. We all get inspired by companies X, Y, Z, and we try and build something that has the components of all of those companies put together. Exciting times ahead, Nathan. You know, the world has created so many new problems uh, in 2020. And uh, 
I know that more than anything, we enjoy solving problems, you know, and there's so many more problems to be solved in all areas. I mean, obviously, we're here to talk about retail today, but the same thing goes with, uh, you know, anything from logistics, education, uh, health, HR, real estate, there's problems galore. I mean, look at Afterpay. Yep. Need I say more? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you get your ideas or your confidence that an idea is ready to go all in on? Look, I mean, to answer that, I have to use the word gut feeling. But what is gut feeling? Gut feeling is, I'm 50 years old. It's 50 years of reading articles about retail. It's about <laughs> meeting and shaking lots of hands. It's about walking to lots of conferences it's about seeing what's working out there, knowing your audience. And then it's about just honing in on one. Will the next business that I launch be the next big thing? I don't know. We have failed many times in the past. People don't know about the failures. They remember the successes. But uh, we failed just as many times. But uh, being optimistic kind of people, we don't get discouraged by failure. You know, We look at it as a way of learning. You know, pivot is a word that's being used quite often when it comes to entrepreneurship, you know. It's okay to start something, run it for a couple of months, and then change the direction, you know. Uh, and, 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 and we've been doing it forever, and I think it will, uh, it will continue. But it's a very exciting time, uh, Nathan, both to launch a business and, and, and to invest in a business. And 2021 is going to create some amazing new disruptors. You can just feel it. Australian brand Rolly Nation makes footwear that is lightweight and the favourites of suitcase stuffers around the globe. So when Rolly Nation wanted to put a greater focus on direct-to-consumer, they migrated to Shopify Plus. With integrations into Gorgeous for customer service, Smile for loyalty, Clavio for direct marketing, and Okendo for customer reviews, Rolly Nation were able to deliver a site that was as lightweight as their shoes. They immediately achieved a 62% improvement in page speed, which contributed to a 3.5% increase in conversion. As Limp Biscuit would say, they're now rolling, rolling, rolling. To read more of Rolling Nation's story and to see other case studies, visit the customer sections on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. You are a really open person and, and what I've always loved about you is that you share your your lessons along the way um, and obviously they're all packaged up now in this book. What's been your favourite failure so far? My favourite failure, I'll tell you a couple of quick stories. You know, in 2014, uh, we reached, uh, I had hundreds of meetings with Australian retailers trying to tell them about the business idea that we had and the business idea was a company called atlas.com.au that no one's ever heard of. And uh, long story short, Atlas would have been a marketplace, an Amazon slash eBay. Uh, but in 2014, none of the retailers were ready for it, Nathan. Their technology teams were either non-existent or too busy. And no one really saw the opportunity <laughs> in e-commerce. And we spent the whole year hiring smart people, trying to build it. And after a year, we just gave up and we put it in the bin. I wish we succeeded because, you know, we would have had a marketplace in 2014. Uh, we ended up launching one in 2017, but one thing I regret is not doing it any earlier. Uh, but even in 2017, we seem to have been ahead of the time because uh, in 2020, the number one most used word was Corona, but number two was probably marketplace, right? 
Everyone wants to build a marketplace. Everyone realizes that you need to be where your customers are. And companies like Catch, Kogan, MyDeal, Temple and Webster, eBay and Amazon is where the consumers are today. And uh, marketplaces are on uh, on everyone's lips. Yeah, yeah. I wish we could have done it in 2014. So it is what it is. Given your recent investment, you must be still bullish around that there's a lot of growth left in marketplaces. Look, we invest in lots of other companies that no one no one knows about and don't get uh, don't get press release. But uh, of course, uh, we are lovers of of retail. We are certainly lovers of uh, of commerce. And uh, and I think we also being entrepreneurs, we we enjoy opportunities. And the investment in my sale in my sale or sale is simply because we thought that uh, the market is the price of this company is undervalued. When you look at uh, com- at other Australian uh, equivalents like my deal, Adore Beauty, Temple and Webster, and uh, and and others, so it's a, it's it's an opportunistic investment. Absolutely. So mm. I know you you talked earlier around the timing of the catch sale, but at the time, and absolutely you're right, everyone was looking at it going, that is an incredible deal. Well done, guys. That's fantastic. Like there was no one coming out and saying, oh, I think Wes Farmer's got a great, got, got the better deal there. It was actually a really, it feel like a win-win situation. Where do you think for, especially for people who are building their own e-commerce and retail businesses at the moment that are looking to sell in the coming years, where, where was the, that $230 million of investment, where do you think the value or the assets in catch was that West Farmers really looked at and said, that's really valuable to us? So, yes, yeah, so absolutely. I mean, they're sitting in their offices today and know that they got the bargain of a lifetime. You know, it's the one that got away for uh, for us in a way. Uh, we do talk about that in the book, and we were wondering uh, during uh, 2019, as we had uh, continuous discussions with farmers, as to why did they approach us? Before I say that, would you believe, Nathan, that in the decade that preceded that, not a single retailer, uh, market leader, media player has ever approached us for conversations that may have led to any form of one plus one equal three. Uh, so congratulations to West Farmers for spotting the opportunity. They reached out to us uh, at the right time as our marketplace was gaining momentum. And uh, yeah, so the reasons that they were attracted to us, okay, we'll start with that. Number one is the marketplace. The marketplace was, uh, you know, building momentum. It already was generating 20, 30, 40% of, uh, of daily transactions. And they needed something that could compete with, uh, you know, eBay and Amazon. We were most likely the most digital savvy team in the market. Uh, having been doing that for uh, 13 years in a row, we've built a tremendous team of uh, entrepreneurs with an eye, uh, smart people that, uh, that, 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 that that know what they're doing in 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 e-commerce and e-commerce t- touches logistics and customer service, digital marketing, and uh, everything else. And of course, they were also interested in our digital in our logistical capabilities. So even in logistics, we were pioneers. And in uh, 2012 and 13, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at logistical solutions around the world. And uh, by mid 2014. We launched uh, a robotic warehouse in our warehouse in Traganina. And as early as then, we've spent $20 million, uh, you know, to improve our, um, you know, speed of delivery. And um, 
put it all together, they got, uh, you know, a tremendous company, a tremendous brand that's being associated with uh, great prices, great culture, and, uh, and so much more. And as you can see behind me, I proudly have the catch uh, sign in my, uh, in my room, and I proudly sleep in my catch pyjama and drink <laughs> from my catch cup. And nothing makes me prouder driving on Dandenong Road and seeing the catch billboard or the catch commercial, you know. I'm going to love this business forever. It's going to be my baby that, uh, that, grew, that grew up. Oh. And once it reached Bar Mitzvah, we had to let it go. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember we did a Nora tour, and it must have been back in 2015 or 2016 to mm-hmm. your offices. And I, I do remember going in there, and you were addressing your whole team. You had a lunch going on. You had the tables full of food. There was music. Mm-hmm. And, and you really you could sense the excitement and the passion in there. But it did feel like a family. It felt like you were all in it together. It did, it did, it did, you know, and, uh, you know, I become teary when I start talking about stuff like that because they were family and they still are family, you know. We communicate, we communicate regularly. You know, we got to a stage that we thought was, you know, we've taken it as far as we can. But catch is certainly no, or at least our period that we were there is certainly no, as we managed to build a great place that people enjoyed coming to work. And, you know, we talk about that a lot. And, you know, people that come to work and they have friends at work and they enjoy working together and uh, and they're being allowed to explore and try new things and being allowed to fail, then, then they also enjoy celebrating together. We've built something very, very special there. It's, you know, you could probably write a whole book about about the culture. But when I do talk about the culture, it's actually the part that I find the most the hardest to try to explain to someone else on how it happened because there's so many elements that need to be put together for that to actually click and it did click with us and yep. i'm very proud i'm very proud of that yeah, and and i think a lot of it obviously has come from you um and hezi and how invested and um giving you are around that now, we are running out of time. I actually, before this interview, contacted uh, one of your friends, uh, Paul Greenberg, and I said, Paul, what's something <laughs> that I can ask Gabby about that no one He said to ask you about your passion for football and about your wedding because he said it was off the charts. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. That's a good one. Okay, for the, for those that will read the, read the book, which is obviously every one of your audience, my uh, the wedding story is in the book, including a photo. And the story goes like that. 18 years ago, I got married. During the same week, there was a soccer match in Melbourne between Leeds United from England and Colo Colo from Chile. It was a friendly match. I sent an organizer the organizers an email. And I said, hi, guys, I'm a Leeds supporter, which is not true. I'm actually a Liverpool supporter. And my dream was to get married on a soccer field. Why don't you guys organize me a wedding at halftime? And yes, I got married at halftime on the grass at uh, Etihad Stadium, which is now known as uh, Marvel Stadium, in front of 25,000 people. Uh, it was my Bucks night. It didn't cost me a single cent. And we became, and we became the halftime entertainment uh, during the match. And by the way, that was 18 years ago, way before Gabby's story with uh, eBay catch. No one knew Gabby. I'm just a guy off the street sending an email. 
Uh, the moral of the story here, it's got a, you know, a business moral as well. Uh, Nathan, sometimes in life, all you have to do is ask. And when you ask, things do happen. And people are quite uh, afraid to ask, you know. In Israel, we have a term for it. It's called chutzpah, you know. It's an Hebrew word that's in the English dictionary that means blatant arrogance uh, and, and, and a bunch of other things. And, uh, you know, I think that I have it in, in abundance, but uh, it does open doors and uh, things do happen when uh, when you go for it. So go for it, you know. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you for sharing. I love that story. Now, Gabby, you've got the book coming out, Catch of the Decade. Tell us a little bit about this and also some of the organizations uh, that the proceeds are going towards because it's a fantastic initiative. Yeah, so uh, we are donating 100% of the profits to a couple of charities. Being retailers, we looked for a retail uh, charity and pretty much the only one that we found is a company called Goods360 and Goods360 takes goods from companies like Big W and Coles and donates them to charity organizations, uh, needy schools, needy families and so on. The other charity is called Second Bite and they donate lots of food that they take from companies like Nando's and supermarkets and donate about a million different, uh, you know, meals a week. Uh, please support them. They're doing a, a, a great job and it gives us a, a great pleasure to support them as well. Uh, the book is called Catch of the Decade. Uh, you can pick it right now on Booktopia from the 1st of November. It will be in every bookstore around the country. I'm working really hard uh, to make sure that it's Australia's number one uh, selling business book this season. And, uh, you know, when we work really hard, we reach our targets and, and, and it will be Nathan. The book is super, uh, super educational, just like this podcast. It is very open. It tells our stories of success and failure. And uh, hopefully uh, it will inspire the next generation of Australian entrepreneurs to learn from our lessons, take some of them, take all of them and, uh, and, 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 and get, get in the game because it's, it's a very exciting space. I think it should be read by every entrepreneur, every business owner, everyone in the, uh, in the investment space, uh, tourism space, travel, uh, up to food. And we didn't have time to talk about our amazing sale of menu log for $855 million. We'll talk about it on the second podcast, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Done when the second book comes out as the follow up to the bestseller. Okay. Gabby. Thank you so much for joining us. And I was just going to say on Good360, we know they're a fantastic organization as well. If anyone wants to listen to our episode with Alison Covington, um, it's probably about 10 episodes back. Um, go see what they're doing because it's fantastic. If you want the book, go over to Booktopia, grab it. It comes out 1st of November. And Gabby, thank you so much for sharing what you have today. We love your story. Congratulations on all your success and being a pioneer of um, retail and e-commerce in Australia. It was a pleasure, Nathan. You're doing a great job. Great being here with you. So how's that for a bit of a taste of behind the scenes of one of Australia's best e-commerce stories? One thing that stood out for me, and despite him playing it down, Gabby knows the tech. He got a Bachelor in Computer Science in the 90s. He's built this huge customer database, delivered custom-built e-commerce platforms, and had state-of-the-art automated warehouses. But he's still an old-school retailer at heart. Buy cheap, sell higher. Look after your team serve your customers. Those values mixed with an eye on the future has led him to build something that's truly special and pioneering in Australia. And just quietly, I don't think the story stops there. Now, the book. We have 
20 signed copies of Gabby's Catch of the Decade to give away. And we're going to make this super simple. Super simple. Ready? The first 20 listeners who leave Add to Cart a review in the iTunes store, screen grab it and send it to hello at addtocart.com.au will win the book. That's it. Go to iTunes, leave Add to Cart a review, screen grab it and send it to hello at addtocart.com.au and the first 20 will win the book. If you missed out on that, head over to Booktopia and order your copy today. You won't regret it. It's a must read for anyone in retail. If you're looking for more e-commerce news, case studies and research, sign up to 12 High's High Five newsletter. Every week, I read all the e-commerce news and send you five things which I've found which will help grow your business. Visit 12high.com.au forward slash high five, H-I-G-H five to sign up for free. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep adding to cart.